If you would turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, we're looking at the third commandment. We're working our way through the book of Exodus, a story of redemption. We're also working our way then through the Ten Commandments. And in the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the first couple of commandments. We've seen that what God has declared is that we need to be a people who worship one God. That he's revealed himself as the redeemer, as the king, as the one who we belong to. We've learned that the Ten Commandments are not really designed for the rest of the world. They're designed for God's people. They're meant to be a fence for God's people. the, The Ten Commandments are not a measuring rod for the rest of the world. The Ten Commandments are a way for us to know whether we're obeying and following in the Lord's will. And so he says in chapter 20, verse 1, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is for God's people. And so as God's people, we come to his word. We want to know him. We want to know how to please him, how to obey him, how to follow him, how to glorify him and what he desires from his people. And so he says, you shall have no other gods before me. He starts by saying, you have one God. I am the Lord who has redeemed you. I am your God. You are my people. He then says, you can have one God, but then worship God in the wrong way. So don't make any idols. I'm the creator God who has made you. Don't worship me in a representation of something created. Don't build something in order to represent me because he cannot be held in any building. He cannot be held in any carving in anything that has been made. He is the creator. He is not created. And then he comes into the third of our commandments. And he says this, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Verse seven is the third commandment. And it's meant to tell us now how seriously we should take God. Not only should we only have one God and therefore worship him in the way that he desires and he requires, but we need to talk about God in a way that takes him seriously. The, the idea is, here is very simple. To take the name of God seriously means that we take God seriously. This is the first way you're going to know if you take God seriously, that's going to be how you talk about him. What you say about him, how you use his name, how you proclaim his name is going to declare what you believe about God and how seriously you take him. Uh, Kind of the method we're working through as we work through these commandments is we're taking what the whole Bible says about the commandments because the commandments are repeated throughout Scripture. They're repeated through the Old Testament. They're also repeated. Nine of them are repeated in the New Testament. And so we want to see what all of Scripture has to say about the name of the Lord. We're not going to read through every Scripture, of course, that has to do with the name of the Lord. But we do want to see a good picture of what Scripture tells us about the name of the Lord and how important it is. We also want to see the positive and the negative realities of of a, of a command. When he says, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, he's also telling us how we're supposed to speak about him, that we're supposed to speak about him in a way that shows how glorious he is and how important he is. And there's also internal and external realities. There's ways we should talk, but there's also things that that reveals about our hearts. And when our hearts are engaged in worship with the Lord and our whole lives are engaged in honoring him, we're going to be more likely to speak the truth about who God is. And so I want you to see all of those things today as we look at this text. It's a simple, simple idea. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But we first need to understand this. Look at what the command actually says. The command is this. Be careful with the name of God, specifically the name Yahweh in your Bible is probably in all caps. 
Lord. We need to be careful with his name. God has revealed himself, and many titles have been given to God. Every time God reveals himself, we learn something more and new about God because he's that glorious. And so names have been given to God, but when God gets asked his name, he has a name that he has given himself. He is Yahweh. He is the Lord, and he wants us to be careful with his name. He's revealed himself by name. What great grace that is that God would reveal himself in such a personal way that he says, I want you to know me. I don't want you to just know about me. I want you to know me. And names are essential for us to understand God. And if God is giving us a a personal covenantal name, the way we're to relate to him, then we need to take that seriously. So the command is very simple. Be careful with the name of God, Yahweh. And before we even get into that, I want to make sure you understand this. Look back at the text. You shall not take the name of the Lord. What are the next two words? Your God in vain. So before we start using this as a way to point at the rest of our culture, and believe me, all you got to do is turn on TV, right? They don't even bleep it out anymore. God's name can be used in vain by the world. Redeemed out of the slavery of sin. Don't belong to him as his people. As followers of Christ, we use God's name. That's what this text is about. That's our ways so that we will I say the Lord sent me, they're going to say, what's his name? And that's what Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15 talks about. It says this, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord the God of your fathers, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. God wants the Israelites to know who he is, and he reveals himself by this name, the self-existent one. I am that I am. Nothing made me. I'm to be remembered throughout all generations in this way. Nothing can destroy me. Nothing can undo me. I am the self-existent one, the self-sufficient one. I don't need the Israelites. I remain God whether I have a people or not, he's saying. But I am their God, and I want them to know me. Isaiah 43 would tell us that he's the sovereign Savior. That when we know him by name, we know him as the one who saves. Isaiah 43:10 through 11 says this. You are my witnesses, 
declares the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen. He's talking to his people here. That you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. To know God by name is to know that he is Savior, and he alone is the one who redeems us. To know God by his name is to know that he says that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I am the one who redeems you. I am the one who saves you. To know God is to know that he is Savior, that he is self-existent, that he is self-sufficient. The command, be careful with the name of God, also carries with it this idea. Don't make God's name meaningless or less than it is. The command says, don't use his name in vain. And we read through Ecclesiastes a while back, and it's vanity, 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 vanity. It's this meaninglessness, this breath, uh, where it's here one moment and gone the next. And God is not like that. God is eternal. God is forever. God is generation to generation. It is meant to be declared in such a way. Don't make God's name as if it's just a breath, as if it's just in the wind, as if it's just here one day and gone the next. Now, we're to mind the warning of the text. And what does he say in verse 7? The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. As God's people, we show that we have been redeemed when we use God's name correctly. And so we need to be a people who are careful about this. See, the issue at hand in the third command is this. It's not about how the world uses God's name. It's not how the people around us, the culture around us uses God's name. No, it's about how we as God's people use his name. We can expect people who don't know God to misuse and misrepresent God's name. That's happened to you, hasn't it? Somebody's misused, misrepresented you, and you go, you don't even know me. And God's saying the same thing. The declaration here is, you know me. That's what he's saying to us. You know me. He's made himself known. He's given us himself in a personal relationship that we would know him by name. And he's saying, now don't misuse it. Now don't misuse my name. Why is this important for us? Why is it important that we don't break the third commandment? Because God's name reveals God's character. God's name is so central to who he is. This is how he's revealed himself. He wants us to know him, so he reveals himself by name so that we would know his character. To misuse God's name would be to denigrate his character, would be to downplay his character, would be to falsify his character. God's name reveals God's character. Deuteronomy 5.11 says it this way, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is a restatement of what we just read in Exodus 20, verse 7. But he says, instead of don't use it in vain, he says, don't misuse it. So the issue here is don't misuse God's name. To misuse God's name leads to a false declaration to the people around us of who God is. To, to misuse God's name leads to a false declaration to the people around us of who God is. Can you put that slide up, please? Isaiah 42, 8 says it this way. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. 
nor my praise to carved idols. To misuse God's name would say, we don't really know him. To misuse God's name would be to make him less than he is. To misuse God's name would be to declare to the people around us, God is not God. Now, what we have to understand is this. God's name is God's reality. God's name describes who he is. When I was a kid, we lived in Malawi, Africa. And I've told this story several times, but it's so foundational to us understanding this. Names for us, names for us are sometimes they just sound great, right? They just sound cool. Or we just want to be really, really annoying and come up with difficult names for our parents and grandparents to say. So I named my daughters, Joanny and I named our daughters Kessid and Carissa, and we did it with CHs. So it's Chesed and Charissa, which just throws everybody off, right? It's Kessid and Carissa. So everybody say that with me, Kessid and Carissa. Very good. Okay. But they get cheesed, Chorizo. Right? Names are interesting things. There's meaning to their names. Kessid is God's faithful, loving kindness. Carissa is God's grace. There's meaning to names. And when God reveals himself, there's a meaning to his name. We get to know who God is because God's name describes who he is. When I was a kid living in Malawi, Africa, they would wait weeks to name their children until their personalities came out. Some of my favorites were Chemwemwe, which means joy. Isn't that great? My absolute favorite was Mafuma. It's a little girl, cutest little girl. It means trouble. Stuck with that for the rest of her life. Here God is, and he, re- he reveals his name, and he says, I am who I am. He's the first, the last. I am. He's never changing. He's eternal. He's self-existent. God's name describes who he is. And throughout Scripture, to know God's name is to know who he is. I, I mean, you can take that with me. My name is Brad. So obviously, I wear sweaters around my shoulders and tie them in front. I like to wear pink polo shirts and khaki pants and loafers. That's me, right? Because my name is Brad. I was obviously on a yacht. I obviously was in a frat. And none of you would have liked me in college. But none of those things are true. Well, you might not have liked me in college, but that's a whole other issue. Right? Brad does not fit bald guy with red beard. It's not the first thing you think of, right? And if you're wearing a pink shirt today, that's not meant to offend you. I have pink shirts too. But I wanna, what I want you to understand is we all, if you hear a name, you immediately have something that you think of. You hear a name. There, there, and then we go, oh, huh. Would not have expected that to be a Brad. What do you think of when you hear God's name? What are we declaring to the people around us about his reality? See, God's name describes who he is. Isaiah 57:15 says his name is holy. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with me who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 9, 6, we're told this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Matthew one we we're told this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what his name means, his Savior. Revelation 19.13, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, then the name by which he is called is the Word of God. See, when we use God's name, we're saying something about God, because God's name describes who he is. God's name is his reality. So this is why it's essential for us to get this right as God's people. It's essential for us to understand how important God's name is, that God would make it the third commandment after Worship me only. Here's how you worship me. Make sure you get my name right. Make sure when you talk about me, you're talking about me in the correct way. Make sure that when you're saying my name and you're declaring that you're my people, that people get the right idea about me. So I ask us as God's people, when people hear us and they look at our lives, would they get the right idea about God? What idea about God would people have by your life and your speech? There are negative and positive realities here we have to deal with, right? Because the call here is don't use God's name in vain. John Piper said it this way. The call of the third commandment is this. Turn away from taking the name of the Lord in vain. Repent. Repent. Receive forgiveness. And then by the power of God's spirit, be done with it. Stop taking God's name in vain. So that's the call for us today. The call for us as God's people is stop taking God's name in vain. Repent. Receive forgiveness. And then stop doing it. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Israelites took this to an extreme. The Israelites actually just stopped using God's name, Yahweh. They just would not use it. They didn't want to take it in vain. They wouldn't speak it out loud. Now, that seems like a pretty safe bet. You don't want to use God's name in vain, so let's just not say it at all. I've heard people say things like, well, I'm I'm not going to share the gospel because I might do it the wrong way. That's just called disobedience. Because God's design is not that we wouldn't say his name. God's design is he wants his name to be known. He says, don't use it in vain. He doesn't say, don't use it. So the issue for us, the positive is, if we're not supposed to use his name in vain, we are supposed to use it in the right way. So what does that look like? God's design is that his name would be known among his people, that it would be on our lips all the time. God's design is that the glory of God's name should be on the lips of all of God's people. Ezekiel 39, 7, my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel. He wants his name to be known. He wants us to speak it to one another. I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. So when we speak about God's name, when we speak correctly about God, guess who else ends up learning about God? The ends of the earth, the nations, the people outside of the church. So the way we talk about God here, the way we talk about God with one another, has an impact on how the rest of the world views God and knows the name of God. Because the glory of God's name should be known to the ends of the earth. Our, our prayer, our, our desire should be like the psalmist, that the glory of God's name should be known to the ends of the earth. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, 
all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. So before we say, well, I just want to be really safe, I just won't talk about God at all. Then I won't use, I won't misuse it. So if I don't talk about God, then I'll never misuse God's name. Now that's just, just equally a sin for God's people. We're also commanded to declare his glory, to speak his name. But let's do it in a way that honors him. How we use God's name reveals what we believe about God. How we use God's name reveals what we believe about God. So I think it's important for us to see at least three ways that we can misuse God's name, that we can use it in vain so that we can steer clear of this. Okay, is that fair with everybody? Let's give us let me just give us three ways that we can actually steer clear of misusing God's name. So this is, this would be something that we might be guilty of. First, we misuse God's name when we misrepresent God's name to justify our desires and actions. We can justify what we're doing, what we've done, what we want to do by saying things like, God told me. Isn't that interesting how that just totally shuts down every, every discussion? That's like the easiest way to win an argument, isn't it? The Holy Spirit told me. Well, if the Holy Spirit told you, I got nothing I can say to you. Great. Awesome. How, how, how much did the Holy Spirit match up with the word of God that's been revealed to us? That, that would be my question. See, here's the good news. God told me too. He wrote it in a book. And anything that I hear that goes against this book, it's not God. That's not God speaking. That might be your desires. Might be what you want. I'd rather people come up to me and say, I want to do it because I really, 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 really want to do it. Be a five-year-old about it. That's great. I loved it when my kids came to me and I was like, why do you want to do it? I just really, really want to. That's a really good reason. It's a better reason than I think God wants me to do it when what God has said is very clear. So don't, don't use, don't misuse God's name to, to justify your own actions. This has happened, hasn't it, throughout history? The Crusades? Slavery? Nazism, Jim Crow, all kinds of things have misused God's name throughout history. And what we do is we use God's name more like it's a a blank check for our desires. Or we begin to justify what we do as opposed to fearing God and his name. Michael Horton puts it this way, God's name is meant to be feared, not used. So if we're using God's name to justify our actions, it's a dangerous place to be. Let's go to God first and have him declare what our actions should be. It's a much safer place to be when it comes to the name of the Lord. The second way we might misuse God's name is through hypocrisy in speech and life. Everybody who's a hypocrite, raise your hand. So proud of some of you. Hypocrite is not something we like to be called, right? But hypocrisy, if we're being honest, is a part of our life. As God is making us more and more like Jesus, that's what's being rooted out. It's the things that don't match up with what it looks like to be the people of God. But there are other ways that we can do this. We can 
we can think we're doing things or even say we're doing things in God's name, but when they don't bring honor and glory to God, they bring honor and glory to ourselves. That's the ultimate hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 7 puts it this way. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? I like that. Did we not do in your name? Did we not accomplish all of these things and tag your name on? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Michael Horton puts it this way. We should be less surprised and offended by the worldly people around us misusing God's name and abusing God's name than we should be by the people that are the hucksters, the heretics, the healers who misuse God's name, who use God's names to get into the purses and pocketbooks of people, who use God's name and misuse God's name to pull people away from believing God and pull them towards believing in themselves. We misuse God's name through hypocrisy and speech and life, but we can properly use God's name in this way as well in our lives. And how does that happen? We properly use God's name in this way. When our lives and our speech give glory to him, not to us. You know, recognize a huckster and a heretic. See how much they talk about themselves. See how much they talk about how great you are. As opposed to how great God is. No, we should be people who are declaring how great God is in our whole life should be to that end. Colossians 3.17 puts it this way, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So whatever you can do, you do it to His glory, you do it in His name, and you give thanks to Him. So that, like the psalmist says in Psalm 115, it would be not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name. Give glory for the sake of Your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We misuse God's name when we misrepresent God's name to justify our desires and actions. We misuse God's name through hypocrisy and speech and life, and we misuse God's name in our worship and prayer when his name is not revered and taken seriously. And now I just got really close to home, didn't I? It's really easy to sing the songs, isn't it? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. We'd all say amen to that. Then you get to that bridge, and we always sing it twice, and the second time is always the worst part, right? Because you're having to actually deal with it. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. I don't know about you, but the taking away part is a problem for me. When he takes away, my first reaction isn't, blessed be the name of the Lord. My first reaction is not, God is great. I'm so glad he took that away from me. I'm going, hey, God, I thought I was doing pretty well here. Like, what's the problem? It's my tendency. I don't know about you, but that's my tendency. And what that's doing immediately is making God more of a tagline to my life as opposed to my life being a footnote in his existence. See, our goal, our desire should be 
to show how great God is, not to make God smaller than he is. The meaning of vain repetition, the meaning of taking his name in vain would be to use it in such a way to make it smaller than it is. No, our desire should be to show how big he is, not to make him look smaller. Psalm 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Think of it this way. God doesn't need to be put under a magnifying glass because he's not tiny, right? God's giant like the sun. Think of him that way. Or let's just go to giant super planets and supernovas out in space. Think of the most incredibly giant thing you can in outer space. And God is infinitely more glorious and infinitely bigger. And we take a telescope and we look and we look and as we tune in, we, sh- we show that little speck up there that looks so small is actually so giant. Your life, my life, should be all about what seems to be a speck in a world of darkness, a speck of light in a world of darkness. Let's magnify it. Let's show how great it is. Let's show how glorious he is. Our worship and our prayers must start and end with him. And any time we become people who are more concerned about ourselves than we are about him, We're using his name in vain. Jesus said it. He said, whatever you ask in my name, my father will give you. So what do we do? We misuse his name. We make it a tagline at the end of all our prayers, right? In Jesus' name. We're like, hey, Jesus said if we do in Jesus' name, so we can come up with a mantra that we can put at the end of every prayer and do it in Jesus' name. And then whatever I ask for, I mean, he did say... Ask it in my name. I'm good to go now, right? And here's what we do in the South. We're really good at it. We make in Jesus' name, which is four syllables, right? We make it into two. In Jesus' name. Jeed name. Name. Most of the time, we don't even get his name out. We just kind of mumble right through it to the end. Because we already said what was important, what we want. What if our prayers were the exact opposite of that? What if our prayer started with God and what he wants? What he's already declared he wants? What he's already declared to be true? What he's already said about himself and about us? What if our prayer started and continued and then ended? And then when we pray in Jesus' name, the whole prayer was in Jesus' name, not just the tagline. That would be an appropriate way to use his name. Because God wants his name to be used. He doesn't want his name to be misused. The fact that you and I have access to the holy God who created us in everything is a great treasure. Amen? So let's treat it that way. The fact that he wants us to know him personally, and so he revealed his name personally, should be our greatest treasure. Not something we just use as a tagline. Not something we tag on to our lives and our prayers. Remember this, taking God's name seriously means we take God seriously. So just a moment, we're going to close and we're going to watch a video and the band's going to lead us out in a song to close out the service. But I want us to see why this is so essential. I want to kind of pull this all back together for us to remind us. Why is it essential that we treat God's name with the reverence and holiness that it deserves? 
Because God has revealed himself by his name. His name shows his character. His name shows what he wants us to know about him so that we can know him personally. He has not stayed distant. He has not just written stuff in a book, which is great. I love a book. I love this book. I love this book because it reveals who he is. But he's given us his name so that we can know him, not just know about him. He wants us to know him. And he's given us his name so that we can know him personally. It's important because God's name is God's reputation. And our desire as God's people should be that his reputation, his fame, his renown spread through the whole earth. Our desire should be his desire, that his name and his fame should spread. Why is this essential? Because now Jesus has fulfilled the third commandment. We read it earlier in Philippians chapter 2, didn't we? When he went to the cross and he rose again, he's now been given the name that is above every name. So that in his name, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's been given the name that fulfills this third commandment so that when we call upon the name of Jesus, we are treating God's name with the respect it deserves. Because he is the name that is above every name. He has the name that is the great personal covenantal name of God. This new covenant is in the name of Jesus. He has the name that fulfills the third commandment, the name that calls on us to trust him by faith so that he will be Lord, our righteousness. The the name that is under heaven and the only name whereby men may be saved. And so the call for us today is this. Jesus has fulfilled the third commandment, so call upon the name of the Lord today. And be saved. He's accomplished everything necessary for your salvation. And in him and in him alone is their salvation. Why is this essential? Because God's name is to be made holy by us as God's people. As an act of faith that his kingdom is coming. That God's kingdom is coming. Not that our kingdom is being made. Not that our desires are being accomplished. But that his kingdom is coming. That the nations are going to know the hallowed name of God, that the kingdom of heaven is going to spread to the ends of the earth, that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are going to worship God as he deserves, that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. If this isn't your greatest desire as a believer, you don't know God. If your greatest desire as a believer is that God would just bless your life, isn't he greater than that? Doesn't his name deserve to be worshipped by every person who walks this planet? Doesn't his name deserve that people from every tribe and tongue and nation would proclaim how great his name is? Doesn't his name deserve more than being just used as a tagline in our lives? Is this not the essence of the Lord's Prayer? It's interesting Jesus said, anything you ask in my name. And then, you know what he did? He showed us how to pray. This is the essence of the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Our Father, personal relationship with the God of the universe who made us. Our Father, who art in heaven, then we're told what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our desire. We want his kingdom to come on earth. We want all the nations to know who he is. Why? Hallowed be your name. The heart of the whole Lord's Prayer is that God's name would be made holy to the ends of the earth. And when his name is made holy to the ends of the earth, his kingdom comes. His will is done. 
If his name is made holy in your life, his kingdom comes. His will is done. If his name is made holy through your life, his kingdom spreads throughout Powhatan and to the ends of the earth. And his will is done. People can't do God's will until they know God's name. That's the heart of the Lord's Prayer. Would you watch this video? And then the band will lead us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father in heaven, santificado sea tu nombre. May your kingdom come soon. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Datanglah kerajaan Give us this day our daily bread. Danos hoy. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But And lead us not into temptation. Lakini utokoe na yule mwovu Huwag mo kami ipahintulot sa tukso At iadya mo kami sa lahat ng masama For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory Kwa kuwa ufalme ni wako na nguvu na utukufu Hata milele Porque tuyo es el reino, el poder, y la gloria Por todos los siglos, amen 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 Amen, amen. amen.